If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, we are in the fourth week of our series on the family, the happy family, or the blessed family. And so um, normally this is where I would kind of jump in and give a little background on where we've been the last few weeks and maybe tease where we're going. But um, just like smoking the bandit, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there this morning. Actually, it's not true. This is the second service. I can go as long as I want, right? Um, I won't. I'll spare you that. I'll try. Um, real fast, though, before we start, before we jump in, how many of you, by show of hands, have seen The Princess Bride? Okay. See, I'm, this week, I toyed with the idea of just coming out strong, quoting the marriage scene from The Princess Bride. Uh, and Holly was trying to talk me into it, and I think she was just trying to watch me crash and burn. Um, because you don't really know me that well. I don't know you that well. And I'll just spare us the awkward, uncomfortable moment that that might be. So, with that said, uh, marriage is what brings us together today. Uh, specifically, God's design for marriage, because marriage is God's idea. Right? Marriage is not ultimate. That was the point of last week when we talked about singleness. Marriage is not the ultimate thing. Uh, but it is a good thing. It is a gift from God. It's for our enjoyment. Uh, and, and so that we might walk in obedience to God's commands to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, and really, one of the things that I find fascinating about marriage is that it begins right, way back in Genesis. Right? So you've got uh, you know, God's creation. He's creating all these things. And then he creates man. He says it's not good that man should be alone. Creates man a, a woman, a wife. And presents her to him. So you got the first marriage, the first wedding there in Genesis 1. And if you fast forward all the way to Revelation, right, Revelation 19, essentially, essentially the Bible ends with what John refers to as the marriage supper of the Lamb. So you got it, bookends of the Bible, Genesis, Revelation, marriage. Right? And, and all through the middle of that, just intertwined through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, is all this language about marriage, all this talk about marriage, uh, because marriage is God's design, right? And, and marriage, as we're going to see here in a minute, it actually points to something outside of our marriages, all right? So with that in mind, Ephesians chapter 5, um, if you have your Bible, if you look at verse 22, right above that, it, it has, my Bible has a heading that says wives and husbands, but we're actually going to back up a little bit to verse 18, because it's going to help us... Uh, going to give us some context for the rest of what Paul's going to say. So starting in verse 18, here's what Paul writes. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So there is a lot happening in these few verses here, and, uh, and I'm going to pull as much out as I can. Uh, so I just want to jump right in and, and kind of look at what does it look like to have a happy family, uh, a blessed family, specifically when it comes to the, the marriage relationship. So I've got kind of four big points, uh, and then we'll try to get really practical at the end. So first thing is this. The happy marriage is Christ-centered. All right, the happy marriage is Christ-centered. And we see this as early as verse 18. So if you go back to verse 18, Paul says, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. All right, be filled with the Spirit. So here's how we're filled with the Spirit. Whenever you become a Christian, you put your trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Uh, what, what happens is, is the Holy Spirit comes and fills you. Right? It's the Spirit of God that leads and guides and directs uh, and, and comforts. And uh, Jesus actually refers to the Holy Spirit as a helper. And at least one of the gazillion different ways that the Spirit of God helps us is in our marriages. And so uh, it, it's the Holy Spirit that all these things that Paul is going to lay out here in just a second for wives and for husbands, it's all in the context of being filled by the Spirit. If we're going to live in obedience to these commands, it means we need to be filled by the Spirit. All right, so on top of that, though, you've got also all this language in here about, uh, it's kind of all this Christ-centered language, right? over and over again. Uh, yes, Paul's talking about marriage, but he's also pointing over and over again to Jesus, to Christ, to his relationship with the church. And so I'm not going to read it all again, but just to highlight a couple of these, uh, verse 22 says, Wives submit as to the Lord. Verse 23, husbands are the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Verse 24, wives submit as the church submits to Christ. Verse 25, husbands love as Christ loved. Uh, verse 29, husbands should love their wives as themselves as Christ does the church. And then in verse 32, Paul kind of puts a bow on it and he says, This mystery is profound. It refers to Christ and the church. So yes, Paul's talking marriage. And yes, Paul's giving um, some, some directions and some commands for husbands and wives, but it's all pointing back to Christ over and over and over again. Because uh, I mean, the happy marriage is a Christ-centered marriage. Right? The happy marriage is, is linked. The, the, the blessed marriage, if you want to use that word, the Bible uses those words interchangeably sometimes. The happy marriage or the blessed marriage is, uh, is linked over and over again to who Jesus is, to how Jesus loves and to what Jesus has done and is, is doing for his bride, the church. And so, right, just right out of the gate, here's what we've, we've got to ask. Right? Have you trusted in Christ? Right? Has there been a time in your life where you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin? You've asked him to be Lord and Savior of your life. Because if not, right, 
all these things about marriage, all the, the commands and all the uh, strategies for having a better marriage and a, you know, a happy marriage, all that, right? all that pales in comparison to the most important relationship in your life, which is your relationship with God. Right? And, and in fact, as we're going to see, uh, it's only through a relationship with God, first and foremost, that we're able to kind of live out uh, our, our relationship with our spouses as God commands us to. The most important relationship in your life is not your relationship with your husband. It's not your relationship with your wife, as good and important and significant as those are. The most important relationship in your life is your relationship with God. Now, you can have a good marriage apart from a relationship with God. Most of us probably know people that are not believers that have a pretty good marriage. But apart from Christ... Marriage will just be this sort of hollowed out uh, image of, of what it's supposed to be. Right? Because according to what Paul's saying here, um, the happy marriage, the blessed marriage, the God-honoring marriage is the marriage that is Christ-centered. It begins with Christ. So that's the first thing. Happy marriage is Christ-centered. Second thing is this. The happy marriage is marked by mutual submission. Right now, as I read that in the first service, I was like, maybe I could have chosen some better phrasing there. Um, but uh, let, me, let me unpack what I mean by that. All right, so if you look at verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Right, implying that, that men, we as men, as husbands, are to be the leaders in our families. We are to lead our wives. And that is absolutely true. Right, that is absolutely true. Right, despite... Uh, what culture would have to say, despite uh, what you would see going on, like like men are in charge uh, in the home. Like we've been charged to lead. All right, so we're not going to apologize for teaching that. That's what the book teaches. We're people of the book. All right, men are to lead in the home. All right, that's what we call uh, male headship. Is kind of the the, the word. And um, but around that, this is what. John Piper says in his book on marriage, uh, it's called This Momentary Marriage, if you're interested. John Piper says, headship takes primary responsibility, but not sole responsibility. Husbands, primary responsibility falls on us, but it's not sole responsibility. Because if you, you back up a verse, you look at verse 21. Right, one, one verse before Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. He actually says this, uh, that we should submit to one of no- Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is called by their husbands to submit to their husbands. And what I mean by that is, is men, it is not our responsibility to demand that our wives submit to us. This is what God is doing. Because if we're honest, this idea of submission has been uh, it gets a bad rap, and that's because it's been distorted and twisted uh, by weak, insecure men that have no idea what it means to love and lead their wives in a way that their wives gladly submit to. Right? It's been distorted. When men love and lead their wives, I'm getting ahead of myself, I'll preach this part in a minute, but when men love and lead their wives as, called, as God has called us to, right, submission is, is glad and joyful. Right, but, but men, it is not our responsibility to demand that our wives submit to us. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Again, back in verse 18, how did Paul start the whole passage? 
Be filled with the Spirit. Here's the deal. Submission doesn't come natural for anybody. I, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and they're like, oh, I can't wait to submit today. I'm, I'm not that eloquent when I wake up anyways. But it, it takes a work of the Spirit because this is what God has called wives to, to submit to the leadership of their husband. And it requires a work of the Spirit, right? To humble us that we would submit. And there's also going to be a, a work of, of the Spirit going on in the husband's lives too. We're going to see that uh, here starting in verse 25. So Paul shifts from the wives to the husbands. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Actually, let me pause there because I'll get back to that in a minute. Verse 25 says that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Right? Wives are called to submit. Husbands are called to love. And so uh, what I love about Paul is, is he could have just left it at husbands love your wives. But Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, knew that us husbands need a little more help than that. So he, he gives us this, this qualifier. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. So now I've got an example to look to. How do I love my wife? As Christ loved the church. So the next question then is, how does Christ love the church? Right. It's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. We're going we're gonna to look at that. All right, here's the first way. Christ loved the church by dying for the church. Right. Jesus, that's what he says here. He gave himself up for her, meaning Christ gave himself up for the church. If Jesus died as a sacrifice for the church, it means that we as husbands are to lay down our lives, to sacrifice our lives for our brides. This is what God has called us to do. Now, most of us are probably not going to have to physically lay down our lives for our wives in terms of like... We're probably not going to have to take a bullet for our wives. Probably not. But what we do have to do is die to ourselves daily for the good of our wives. Right? That means right, every day, husbands, we choose her desires over our own desires. We choose her needs above our own needs. We work for her comfort over and above our own comfort. We try and make life more convenient for her than it is for us. This is what it means to die to ourselves. And this is what it means for us to lay down our lives for our wives. This is what God has called us to. So let me help you with that. Let's say you come home from a long day. Here's what this looks like just at a real ground level. The first question when you come home should not be, hey, what's for supper? Right? In my home, like I have four children, um, seven and under. And so if I come home, I don't know what I'm walking into at any given moment. Like I could come home and it could be like, it could, it could be peaceful. Usually not. When I come home, I could have like, like things broken and children hanging from like light fixtures Kelly's in the fetal position in the corner, like, please help me. Right? So when you walk in, here's what it looks like to, to lay down your life. 
When you walk in after a hard day and all you want to do is just veg out on the couch, instead of walking in and saying, hey, what's for supper? You walk in and you say, hey, how can, I'm here to help. What can I do? What can I do to serve? What can I do to help you? What can I do to make your life easier? But again, this isn't natural for us. Right? Just as it's not, it doesn't come natural for, for wives to submit, like it kind of goes against our sinful bent, our fleshly desires. It's not natural for us as men to want to put someone else's needs above our own. Our own. Right? It's, it's, that's not a natural thing. It requires the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Back in verse 18, be filled by, be filled with the Spirit. Like if, if we're going to live out what God's called us to as husbands, it requires that we be filled by the Spirit. And, and only then will we begin to, to really lay down our lives as an act of love for our wives. So Christ loved the church by laying down his life for the church. And then verses 26 and 27 says that, that he might sanctify her, that's he, Christ, might sanctify her, being the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So Christ loves the church by dying for the church, but Christ also loves the church by sanctifying the church. Right? Like these words here is what Jesus is doing for his church right now in this moment. The fact that we are gathered together on, on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, to worship. This is an act of Jesus sanctifying his church. Right? Conforming us more and more and more into the image of Christ as we serve him, as we worship him, as we listen to and respond to his word. And husbands, we're to love our wives in the same way that Christ loved the church by sanctifying her. It is our job to lead our wives spiritually. Right? That's, that's the call that God has placed on our lives. Just as Jesus purifies, sanctifies the church, it is our job as husbands to lead our wives spiritually so that they would grow in godliness, grow in conformity to Christ. Right? This isn't just for our relationship with our wives. This is also our, our job for our, our children too. We're going to see that in the next few weeks. This is our job to lead in this, spiritually speaking. Now, from my experience in ministry, I've been in ministry about nine years. Um, let's just be real. It's usually the women that outpace the men in terms of spiritual maturity. And, and where that's true, I'm not saying that women shouldn't be spiritually mature. But it's not the wife's job to lead the family spiritually. Men, that's us. That's the call in our lives. And so where that's not a reality, there needs to be some confessing and some repenting because this is what the Lord has placed on us. But again, so take this call for the husbands to love as Christ loved the church, uh, to love uh, by laying down our lives, to love by leading spiritually. Connect this back to the wife's call to submit to our, her husband. What wife wouldn't want to submit to a husband who loves her, is willing to lay down his life for her, is willing to die to himself and his desires and his comforts for the good of her? What husband wouldn't, or what wife wouldn't gladly submit to a husband that 
uh, is, is committed to her spiritual growth and flourishing. What husband wouldn't gladly submit to that? And here's what's amazing. It's, it's as God places these calls on our lives individually, as, as wives and as husbands, as we fulfill our responsibilities before God, what happens is we actually meet the needs of the other person. Right? If you, uh, one of the things that we were told in counseling, and there's books written on this, a woman's greatest need, a wife's greatest need, is security or, or, or love, to, to know that she is loved. And we see this in verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife. The call over and over again is for husbands to love, 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 love. Because the greatest need a wife has is to be secure in her husband's love for her. To know that he loves her unconditionally through every season of life and marriage. And there's no greater way for a husband to fulfill the wife's need for love and security than by loving her as Christ loved the church. And then on the other side... The greatest need for the husband is respect. Again, verse 33. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. As men, our our deepest, one of our deepest needs in the marriage relationship is, is respect. To know that our wife believes in us, trusts us, and values our leadership in the home. And there's no greater wife than, or no greater wife, no greater way for a wife to fulfill her husband's need for respect than by joyfully and gladly submitting to him as a God, God's ordained authority in the home. And, it, and it's as of the gospel. It is a tangible display of the relationship between Jesus and his church, between God and his people. It is a tangible display for a watching world. So of course it's going to be prime, like it's going to be, uh, a prime target for the enemy. Because anytime the enemy can, can destroy a marriage, it's like a trophy he gets to put up on his shelf. That's why marriage is under attack. That's why marriage is hard. So here's how I want to land the plane this morning. Give you some, uh, I, I like, I try to give a sermon with handles on it. And what I mean by that is so you can take it with you when you leave. Right? So that when you walk out of here and your kids are screaming in the car. You don't just forget everything. So let me give you some handles. I'm going to give you just, just some ways for, for you to think and respond this morning. But, but here's what I want you to do. This is for you to respond. And what I mean by that is when I lay these out, listen, we believe that the Holy Spirit is, is powerful and able to do all things, Right? So your spouse doesn't need a nudge from you. Okay? Right? Let the Holy Spirit do His work. You don't need to convict your spouse. The Spirit of God will do that. Alright? So no evil side glances, no, no nudges in the ribs. Alright? Here we go. The first thing is this. We have talked extensively about marriage and the good gift that marriage is. But the most important relationship that you have here this morning or, or, or will have or could have here this morning is not a relationship with a wife. It's not a relationship with a husband. The most important relationship you will have is a relationship with the Lord. Again, marriage points to a relationship between God and His people. So maybe you're here this morning 
And, and, and yes, you're, you need some help with your marriage, or maybe your marriage is awesome, you don't need help with your marriage. But maybe you're here, and, and your biggest need is to step into a relationship with God. Right? Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Is it what you need this morning, more than anything else, is to be reconciled to God by trusting in Jesus as your Savior. So if you're here this morning, you've got questions about that, you've got doubts about that, there's a way for you to respond. Right? Here at the end of the service, I'll be down front if you want to talk. If you want to catch me after service, that's fine. There'll be ways for you to respond. They'll put it up on the screen. If you want to text in or, or, or you know, let's meet for lunch this week. But um, the most important relationship for you to shore up this morning is your relationship with the Lord. So if you have questions, you have concerns, you have doubts, let's work through that. All right? Second thing, husbands, talking to husbands. Do you need to repent of selfishness and a lack of sacrificial love? Like, have you failed to love your wives as Christ loved the church? Now again, no evil side glances from, from the wives here. I'm talking to the men. All right? I want to help you with that this week. It's the easiest thing. All you got to do. Sometime this week, you guys, kids are in bed. You have time to kind of just sit, talk together. What if you just asked your wife, hey, how have I failed to love you and how can I do a better job of that? Really easy question to ask. Right? And whenever she begins to give you ways, don't, don't try and justify it. Right? Don't, try and, uh, don't try and just gloss it over. Just own it. Ask for forgiveness and commit to grow in, in whatever ways are necessary. And, and the reason I addressed husbands first, I know the text addresses the wives first, but the reason I, I address husbands first is because God has called us to lead spiritually in our homes, and one of the ways we lead is in repentance. When we have sinned, when we are wrong, we get to repent first so that our wives and our children might follow our example. So husbands, where do you need to repent? Wives, do you need to repent of an unwillingness to submit to your husband? Right. Have you failed to love him as the God, failed to trust him as the God-appointed leader in your home? Or maybe you just haven't even given him room or a chance to lead. Again, let's be honest, sometimes our, our wives, women, are, are light years ahead of us in spiritual maturity. And so maybe you're just like, you're type A and your husband's maybe more passive and you're just jumping on it like give him a chance to lead right wives maybe you same thing when you guys are having your conversation this week you just ask your husband hey have I ever have I ever made you feel disrespected have I ever failed to submit to you in ways that I should right and then here's just another word of general counsel I hope you have these conversations this week and when you do This is going to be a vulnerable time for both of you. So, husbands, when you ask your wives, hey, how can I better love you? How can I better serve you? Wives, what they don't need is for you to pull out your scroll of all the ways. Right? 
If your husband comes to you and asks you a question, the Holy Spirit is already working. He doesn't, doesn't need your help to just start listing out every frustration over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Okay? Right, the Holy Spirit's at work. Let the Holy Spirit work. And the same thing is true vice versa. Right, whenever, um, husbands, whenever you go to your, or sorry, whenever uh, wives go to your husbands, husbands, you don't need to, you know, bring up your list of grievances. This is not a time to air out everything. Sure, confess your sin, repent of your sin, but this is a time to grow, not just a time to kind of one-up each other on who needs to grow more as a spouse. All right? And then here's the last thing. Maybe you're here, and you just feel like your marriage is beyond repair. Like you, you put on smiles, and you hide it, you come to church, carrying your Bible to the door, and somebody asks how you are, and you're like, oh, just blessed, brother. Forget the fact that you just like had this cold, awful drive to church because you didn't want to talk to your spouse. Maybe the only thing holding you together is not even your, your vows that you made, but maybe it's just the kids. The only reason you're sticking it out is for the kids. So if you're here, and like you're ready to pull the ejection handle on this thing and get out of it. Can I just plead with you? Can I plead with you? Don't go with this alone. Marriage is warfare. It's a visible sign of the relationship between God and His people. Of course it's hard. Of course it's taking fire from the enemy. But if you were in war, you wouldn't turn down cover fire right in the battlefield. You wouldn't go into war alone. So if you're here this morning and your marriage is like just being dashed against the rocks, what I would say to you is invite us into that. We heard a couple weeks ago, the church is, it's not like a family, the church is a family. You know what families do? They care for one another. Your marriage matters to us. So if your marriage is struggling, don't go at this alone. Maybe you need to have a conversation with, uh, with a saint here that's been married for 15, 20, 30 years longer than you have. Right? Maybe, maybe you need to get some counsel. Maybe you need to, to stop. Make, send an email, phone call. Let's go out to lunch. Let, let's talk through this. Let's work through this together. Right? Don't give the enemy an easy victory by just refusing to fight back. Right? Marriage matters. Let us fight with you.